Everyone in Nacogdoches knew Tom Mames had come to some bad end. Oh, well, the sheriff would call him stealing chickens and such by the time that he was ten. And one day his daddy took a ten dollar bill and he tucked it in his hand. He said, I could tell you're headed for trouble, son, and your mama wouldn't understand. So he took that money and his brother's old bay and left for that worth thanks. Fell in with a crowd in some border town, took to robbing banks. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Sea Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got our wide receiver position review for the Giants. We're going to go from top to bottom, from Darius Slayton to Sterling Shepard. Uh, the Giants also hired a couple of coaches. Justin, how you doing? To imply that Sterling Shepard's on the bottom and not a guy like Paris Campbell, which, oh, I guess Sterling Shepard may have had less catches, so maybe you're right. Um, I'm good. Bobby Skinner, tired. Man, JM football and the NFL playoffs are kind of crushing me, but we're having a good time with it. I hurt my pinky at the warehouse today, and my right pinky finger very much hurts. We were playing slap ball. I'm good. How are you? I was going to say that like, if people aren't like fault, like, don't follow our company, John Boy Media, and they're like, oh, Justin works at a warehouse. I do. When you said you hurt your pinker, and then you said you played slap ball, and then people were like, okay, never mind. He's go- he's goofing. I'm goofing he's goofing. He's new boot goofing. Justin, before we get into all this, this episode is brought to you by some special people. Draft Olu at six is one of the people's names. Sure. Uh, I have a surprise for him. First draft film breakdown is Olu next week, coming out on Thursday. Jam football. Uh, uh, Ron Giannatino uh, Jr. He's a Tommy DeVito fan. Connor, just Connor. But a lot of just one-named, first-named uh, entries. And then Brad, Brady Heslin. Tom Brady has been a good quarterback, but now he's not. Justin, who are these people? Oh, these wonderful people. Went to patreon.com slash Giants. $2 a month plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. Plus, there's some shirt raffles. Uh, did you know that the Tommy Cutlet shirts is our best-selling shirt ever? More than Day Balls of Steel. Um, and then even like the those New York football sweatshirts even did better. And the shirts did better than... Uh, Media some clowns, which is which is kind of crazy. So, uh, patreon.com slash talk of giants. You can get some shirts. Bobby Skinner sent you some stickers. And like I said, you can hang out with us while we watch the shows as well. I forgot Brian McGrath, who I think signed up twice. So I'm sorry about that, Brian. Unless he just wanted to give $20 a month in the in the world beater tier. I have moved, There's McGrath Park down the street. So maybe, maybe that's where he knows wow. me from. All right, Justin. Uh, the Giants hired a running back coach for you know they've they've been a lot of running back coaches they signed uh burton burns from alabama in 2020 he lasted two years even though jody wright kind of took over when burton burns was dealing with some health issues jody wright by the way got a head coaching job at murray state he was he's a friend of the show yeah and then they brought in uh deandre carter who's now with the colts jeff nixon now with the syracuse as the offensive coordinator and now they hired joel thomas uh the saints running back coach he's been their running back coach for a long time from 2015 to 2023 that's a long tenure in one spot um which makes you wonder why he's doing the lateral move now whether yeah, it's lateral made moves, that's strange with dennis allen or whatever like he obviously had a home there before that was in college as a running back coach with arkansas washington Washington, he was like an assistant offensive coach too, Purdue, um, and then Idaho 
and Louisville in the the early 2000s. So running back coach is probably the hardest to figure out information about because it just kind of you know you're the you're the running back coach. You know you're you're teaching the same principles for the most part. Um, but does have a you know did have a part of the Alvin Kamara drafting and developing him um, as a receiver. The Saints rushing game hasn't been efficient over the last few years, but if you go before that, it was a really great one-two combo with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. So, do you who do you give blame and who do you give issues with? Also, the only, the, the one thing of note that I thought was kind of interesting is the only top thirty running back the Giants had last year coming for a draft visit was Kendra Miller out of TCU, and, and that this the Saints drafted him. So maybe yep. that there was some alignment of philosophies on running backs with the uh, with that. I really liked Kendra Miller too, and you said that uh, he's been the running back coach since 2015. Yeah, that's Alva Kamara's entire career. He's been a Saint since 2017. Kamara's a one, two, three, four, five-time Pro Bowler. Um, hasn't been a Pro Bowler the last two years, but hey, but even Alva Kamara, not efficient. But the one thing that I'm really interested to see, Bobby, is maybe how do some of our running backs evolve as receivers? Uh, that that'll be that'll be the one thing that's really interesting because I think they have guys coming out of the backfield, uh, you know, every year for the Saints and especially Ava Kamara. Uh, that's still a very very impressive part of his game. I think he had like seventy five catches this year. So um, we'll see. Running back coach, nice. Yeah, and I really I like Kendra Miller too. I had him as a third rounder. I pulled up some of my notes on him um, and like what he did. He got hurt this year for the Saints, so he didn't really do much much for them this year I'm, I'm actually looking through the, i should have done this before looking to see if they had a top 30 visit with eric gray they did with a few other uh i'm seeing the saints they hey they had deontay banks in for a top 30 visit Jalen hyatt nope i don't i didn't i didn't see uh, eric gray one um so again I, I don't have a ton of information on him um and so th- i mean that that it is what it is with there be interesting to see who the giants have it running back this year bald they also coach. brought another bald coach yeah. I think coaches are just bald. It's a stressful position. This was a theme with Joe Judge too. It was a and it's theme, like, oh, yeah. all the coaches are bald. Maybe I think just coaches are bald. Yeah, like they work, they work too long of hours, um, and they're bald. And no track record of working with Brian Dable ever, right? No, no track record with anybody on, on this staff? coaching staff. Okay, cool. You know, I mean, his his only stint in the NFL is the Saints, and we don't have anybody with ties ties there. Now, I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go searching for positive talking points, but in the midst of, you know, all the talking points of, hey, Brian Dable's a little tough to work with. The fact that somebody left the Saints and continuity and very much knew his role and did a lateral jump to the New York Giants, um, that that doesn't make me feel bad. Not gonna say it makes me feel good, but doesn't make me feel bad. The only bad thing is that when we hired Burton Burns from Alabama. Mark Ingram tweeted, this is the best running back coach I've ever had. So I hope oh. that Joel Thomas is the second best running back coach he's ever had. Well, Mark Ingram was um, very much more successful at Alabama. I mean, this is no shot at Mark Ingram. Very good running back, good NFL career, but very much more successful. Literally won a Heisman at Alabama. So, Yeah, first uh, Heisman winner at Alabama. Um, also, he coached Alvin Kamara. Do you remember when we were hanging out with Alvin Kamara at Daytona? I do. There was a lot of your family members plus myself in uh, the same room as Alva Kamara. And sh- I mean, should I tell the story of what I find to yeah, be I so think we, insane? I think we, we've hit the statute of limitations on this. Um, 
I couldn't believe it. I like I was I I was a third party outsider of Bobby Skinner and his family having a conversation of It was like a mini no, bachelor party for my brother. For no reason by the way. Alva Kamar did nothing to us. He wasn't uh, doing nothing. Bobby <laughs> Bobby and his family were just like we could take him on. Like just fighting him. I guess it was because you know his Vegas his, his stint in Vegas. Well, my brother is like go pull up his like his you know the the fighting video of him and be yeah, like ask him if that's mugshot. him. No, it wasn't his mugshot. It was like the actual video of him fighting. Oh, I can't remember what this, it was. Was this like, you? Is this is this you? You know, because they probably guess like, are you Alvin Kamara? Just pull up the fighting. And video all three of you, were, you just kept saying it. You're like, yeah, yeah, we could we could take him. <laughs> and I'm I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure three I mean, of you we, can. <laughs> yeah, easily. The Skinner uh, family. I'm sure three of you can take them. I'm sure even two of you can. The alcohol was flowing. Um, <laughs> it was a mini bachelor party for my brother. Uh, Friday night Daytona <laughs> Daytona of the truck race. Friday night in the in the in the suite where Mike Helton, the pre- the president of NASCAR, was also hanging out. He was following us around. He was. Are we doing that again? By the way, I keep uh, on asking Jeremy, and I get uh, no information back. I know. I uh, I don't know. TBD. I'm getting I'm getting weary on the our chances the closer that we get. It should just send me and you. Should that should be the pitch? It's like these two guys are actually going to care about it and yeah. going to go all out. They should just be less YouTube, money, not not people who just are sarcastic about the whole event. They also hired Aaron Wellman as the executive director of player performance, which is essentially the head strength and conditioning coach after Craig Fitzgerald left for the Gators. Been with Indiana as their senior assistant athletic director for football performance, long title for the last four years. Guess where he was the four years before that? The New York Giants, very well respected mm. within the building. And then Judge brought his own guy in and Craig Fitzgerald. Uh, Pratik Patel, who's a friend of the show, he was the assistant strength and conditioning coach during that time. You know, he uh, quit because he didn't see the eye to eye with Joe Judge on some things. He did show the like the the amount of games lost in the Giants ranking in that. That was their best stretch since 2009 was one under Aaron Wellman, right? They are 7th, 25th, 8th and 17th in those years. Every other year has been damn near the bottom and and nowhere near the top like those 7th and 8th place years. So uh again, can't really evaluate a strength and conditioning coach, but he doesn't have any negative track record. No. I mean, and you li- those 4 years that you listed where we were like positive in injuries that was with him yeah yeah we were good with him i love this hire maybe we could get pratik patel on the show but then it'd be like kind of boring to hear about like strength and conditioning stuff ah, it's a long it's a long off season i mean i think people might be i mean yeah we won't we won't get the masses interested in it but i i i want to know as a fan like what 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 is going on here what do you th- what what is it what does an expert think is happening here is it MetLife? Is it the turf? Blah blah blah. Maybe maybe Patel can go back go back to work with the Giants. Joe Judge is gone now, my man. All right, Justin, we're gonna get into our wide receiver review, um, and we'll we'll wait to read an ad because we've kind of been giving some boring information for the first ten minutes, uh, outside of the Daytona Alvin Kamara stuff. I feel like that was a little bit interesting. Oh yeah. So our wide receiver position review, Justin. The Giants were the thirty first passing offense, so none of these numbers are going to be outstanding. Uh, basically a different guy led them in every single category. Waller led them in yards per game by 0.7 yards. So none of them led in yards per game. Obviously Slayton led them in yards. They're still chasing that true number one wide receiver one since they traded Odell. They built this group prepared for injury and for Wandale to come back slow. But the exact opposite of that ended up happening. 
and guys like Sterling Shepard didn't play and Paris Campbell got healthy scratch. So it wasn't a good group, right? Like you don't look at this like this is a good receiving group. But I look at this receiving group and I don't think I don't look at them at holding them back from anything. You know, in fact, it was probably their best position group outside of, you know, running back with Saquon Barkley on the offense. Now it was a bad offense, so that's not saying much, but you know, in 2022, the the wide receivers stopped the Giants from being able to do certain things. This year that wasn't the case. No, I and I totally 100% agree with you and it's still it still is a little depressing, man, looking at some of these numbers and some of the production, but I again, I wouldn't say that it's the wide receiver's fault and the specifically the guys that we have on here, we still do need a number 1. I want to do a little trivia for you cuz I went through all 32 NFL teams. Wando Robinson led the Giants in catches this year with 60, and he also led Giants wide receivers in catches this year with 60. There were three other NFL teams that their number one wide receiver, this does not include running backs or tight ends, that their number one wide receiver did not get 60 catches this year. Can you name me those three NFL teams? So the Patriots are an easy Correct. one. The Jets aren't one because of Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to say that did Hopkins get 60? Yes, he did. Okay. He had 75. Okay. So which is got, kind of he, surprising. Very much good. I mean, he was still good, right? It wasn't like a Julio Jones situation down there. So the Patriots are an easy one. Mm-hmm. Some of the other, like the Bears there's are one, bad there's one that's not surprising. There's one that's not surprising. You're going to hear it. You're going to go, oh, but there is one that's kind of surprising. It's kind of cheating, though. Um. I don't want to keep this going for so long. People are thinking at home. Yeah, I, I hate this is really bad radio right now, but I also I want to take a guess. But every team I think of is just not a think good of guess. think of divisions in the West in both conferences. Oh, okay. So the Chargers. How about that? Because nope, Keenan Allen did it. I thought maybe Keenan Allen missed some games. Uh, Chargers. Oh, Broncos, because Cortland Sutton didn't have a lot of catches. That's one. He had 59, so that's kind of cheating. Yeah, he I'm had like sure. the same he had like the same amount of yards as Darius Slayton. And then so that means the NFC West, 49ers definitely had one. The Seahawks definitely had one. The Rams definitely had one. And then so, the other NFC West. So the Cardinals. The Cardinals, yes. Hollywood Brown did not Eclipse sixty catches. So yeah, it's uh, those those teams: Cardinals, Patriots, Broncos, and then the New York Football Giants with their number one wide receivers um, had sixty catches or less, and that is depressing. Yeah, yeah. So and again, now you add a wide receiver one to this group, and it looks a lot better, right? Where it's like you're talking about how do you get certain guys playing time. So, but we'll start at top with Mister Consistency. Let me. Can I can I pause you for a second? How do you define wide receiver one? Like, are we talking like stud at the top of the draft? Are we talking stud maybe in free agency if they want to go out or a trade? Or if they, they very conti- rarely get the free agency, but they do get traded. If they continue yeah, free agency signing of wide receiver, big time wide receiver free agency, I'm sure still scares a lot of people. Um, they just don't get there. Right. Or are you even defining that as, hey, this guy with a lot of high high plus traits in the second or the third round that we take in the draft. Because I think that's kind of important to define 
what the Giants are looking for in this wide receiver room because obviously a wide receiver. Well, won you can every get game. them there, right? right? But you like you're not going like. I mean, you look at some of the best receivers in the NFL. They were drafted in the second round. You know, we think right. about that 2019 class. You had, you know, DK, Terry McLaurin, and and um and uh, AJ Brown. None of them were drafted in the first round. Uh you know, and all and there's just other you know you know great wide receivers who aren't there. But to me, it's like as someone who is going to get a thousand yards essentially every single season. Perfect, right? Who's going to command double teams? Who can just go on the sideline and win? Right, can run the whole route tree and just go win on the sideline. That's my definition of a wide receiver one. Sure. You know, like DJ, like people, people have not given DJ more their flowers going into this year. And I've been preaching guys, a wide receiver one, guys, a wide receiver one. I think Terry McLaurin might be under, underrated around the league, but we've, we've known basically since the first half of his, first five games of his rookie year, he was great. I remember we played the, we played the, uh, the Washington week four that year. And he missed that game, and it was already apparent. Like he's their best wide receiver. He's really good. Then him not playing is is a big loss for them. So that's what I would say. So do I think you have to get it with pick six? No, but like if Xavier Worthy, I think he's someone who, no pun intended, is worthy of of being. You know, lo- we're looking at him with that projection. Sure, um, love it. I, let's start with Darius Slayton, who has been the Giants. Uh, de facto wide receiver one for some time now. Six foot one, 198 pounds, 27 years old, signed a two year, $12 million contract, uh, has an $8 million cap hit, uh, this year with only $1.75 million in dead cap, but we should not be talking about that because Slayton should be back. Had his best season on film and statistically leading the Giants in receiving for the fourth time in five years. 50 catches, 770 yards, four touchdowns. 15 yards per catch on a 63% catch rate. That being said, all of those flowers, he was still 48th in the NFL for receiving. So we do have a ways to go to get that wide receiver one. Quarterback play does uh, hurt that some, but it's not everything, right? You know, he's he's not a wide receiver one. But man, I am thankful that Darius Slayton has been a New York Giant for five years. Yeah, uh, I know you want to talk about yards after the catch, too. That was a category that he really stood out this year. And, and since Brian Dable um, has came onto the scene and since war criminal Jason Garrett has left, uh, Darius Slayton's speed has been able to be more on display, which is awesome. And I think, you know, 2022 was a was a good offense for the Giants. So obviously, when you know, when you have a good offense, there are good things that are happening. This year was a really bad offense. And the fact that Slayton was able to be so consistent with Yak um, and then also in three levels of the field as well, um, you know, in short, obviously he had most of his catches. He had 80 percent of his catches or uh, he had 29 catches, um, you know, in short zero to nine yards, nine catches, um, 10 to 19, and then deep 20 plus seven to you know seven receptions. I would say for a lot of these wide receivers with Slayton and Hyatt, common theme of the Giants need to do a much better job of attacking the medium part of the field, the intermediate level part of the field, 10 to 19 yards. Um, that's my main observation of kind of like looking at all these stats for these Giants receivers. So there are 20 plus yard targets. There are 20-plus yard catches, but attacking that intermediate part of the field is something that does need to improve. Uh, But yeah, Slayton, we've talked a lot about him. Mr. Consistency um, really brought down the drops as well this year, and that's been his his, his main bugaboo throughout his entire NFL career. Yeah, the drop rate was 3.8% this year compared to 9.9 and 10.3% the last the two years before, which is brutal, like worse than the NFL. 6.3% the year before in his rookie year was his best year. Now, here's the thing with that. 
I am not saying, oh, all is healed. Darius Slayton does not have a drop issue, right? Drops can fluctuate from year to year, and Slayton's shown more consistently as having a drop problem than not. So I, I need to see him do that two years in a row before I don't have those types of worries. Um, and his drops have been big-time drops too, right? There's drops, and then there's drops that change games, and he's had multiple that have changed games. His drops have led to lost games by the New York Giants. You know, specifically against Washington a couple times. Uh, so can't, can't, can't you got to see more consistency out of that. But what we did see more consistency is, is his craft, right? Yeah. Like, I, I really think he refined his craft a good amount this year. Like, was so much better at the top of routes, using route sell, getting in the guys, knowing when to, you know, how to decelerate and tempo his routes. Uh, he was better at the release, like more efficient and used more variety in what he was doing to gain more separation. And, you know, the speed takes over, right? Was able to have those big plays, especially when Tyrod Taylor uh, came into the picture. You know, there was times where he was open and was missed by Daniel Jones earlier in the season. And, you know, using him in those crossers, you mentioned the yak stuff. I mean, he was 10th in yaks per catch this year, which is back-to-back years with good numbers, you know, six last year. And with Jason Garrett, he was 87th and 83rd for around 90-something guys. So, you know, shows what, Hey, when good scheme can get speed to be able to produce, and Darius Slayton's been able to do that on decent on, on a good amount of volume. I believe this year, I think in 2021, um, it was three yards, but that was more limited. He didn't lead the team in receiving that year. So out of all years that he's led the Giants in receiving, so 2019, 2020, 2022, and 2023. Um, this was his best career year in wide receiver separation, according to the next gen, um, where in previous years, it's been like 1.7 and closer to two. Um, last year, it was 2.5. Uh, this year, he bumped it all the way up to 2.9. Um, which, yeah, it was just, uh, wide receiver separation, obviously, is very flawed. Doesn't totally mean like, oh, the wide receivers that have the most separation, that they're the best wide receivers, and the ones that have low separation doesn't mean that they're the worst wide receivers. But I think now that we have a full sample size of Darius Slayton's career and the fact that he drastically improved in that category, even from 2022 to 2023, does go to show that in his craftiness and his route running, that he did get better in that. Um, and even you know him getting open even when the ball's not going his way. Now, the separation set only goes to when the ball is going your way. But as we know, inconsistent quarterback play for the Giants this year, I would like to think that Slayton was open at times, even when the ball did not go his way. Yeah, whenever he got to like face a good corner, like a bad corner this year, it was like, okay, he is going to be able to like cook these guys. Um, and then when you know he's facing good corners, like he wasn't shut down and, and out of games. Now, there was games with bad statistical performances, I think. That had more to do with quarterback play than anything else. But again, that that speed kills, right? And Slayton has always had that speed, but he's not like we'll talk about with Hyatt, like it's not just speed, right? Like you gotta be able to play football. Yeah. And Slayton's shown that from day one. From you know, his first game versus the Tampa Bay Bucks, week three, twenty nineteen, he showed that he can use his speed to create big plays. And he's been their wide receiver one every year except for two thousand twenty one, where it was Kenny Galladay. Yeah, uh, where he where he's been the the number one threat in the offense, and yeah. and he's gotten the 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 respect of other teams' uh, coverages, right? And I think Jalen Hyatt this year helped him a little bit too, where there was another speed threat on the other side, and honestly, a, a more of a speed threat where. 
they weren't able to just you know play single high, stack the box, and shade the safety to Darius Slayton. They weren't able to do that, and it allowed him to do a lot more as a receiver. Yeah, you know what's funny? A lot of Jalen Hyatt's production came from the outside right. Like if we're looking at receiving direction, where you have between the numbers outside right and then outside left. A lot of Jalen Hyatt's production came from the outside right, where, you know, if you have a righty quarterback, it's on their side. And a lot of Darius Slayton's production, he, he didn't have even get a single target of 20-plus yards on the outside right. Um, uh, between the numbers, he was one for one, 80 yards, one touchdown. I guess they're counting the Philadelphia touchdown as between the numbers, or if where he caught that. Yeah, because I think that was a post route, right? And then three for seven on the outside left with 140 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 129.5 QB rating. So they do um, a weird job of those little things because he had seven 20 plus yard catches, but on there it only it doesn't show as much. I don't know how exactly they track that. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I there's some weird discrepancies there. All right, just you want to talk about the next guy? Yeah, yeah. Who do you want to talk about next? I, th- I mean, it's got to be the leader in receptions, Wandale Robinson. Yeah, for sure. Five foot eight, 185 pounds, second year, second rounder at Kentucky. Uh, 60 catches, led the team 525 yards, one touchdown, plus 87 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Justin, Juan Day will always be a limited player, but he's developing into his ceiling faster than expected, especially coming off of the torn ACL. Like, he was a bad route runner at Kentucky. Like, like just not a good route runner at all. He would jump into breaks, he would round it, there was no sell, and then, you know, the lack of catch radius hurt him. And he, I mean, you saw it instantly. That 49ers game, he came in, and you're like, these are nice, crisp routes. Now, he's running them in the short area of the field because of, you know, he's a slot, he's a slot only five foot eight, one percentile arm length guy, but he's closer to his ceiling than I expected him to be this season. Yeah. And I even went back to, you know, I wanted to look at the advanced game log for, for Wandell Robinson because his average depth of target was less than what it was in 2022, which really did surprise me. But think of some of the games in which he was most impactful. The Green Bay game, his average depth of target was 10. Uh, that is double the it, what it was in 15 games this year at 5.3. Uh, the final game of the year, uh, the win against Philadelphia, where he had five catches, six targets, 85 yards. His average depth of target was... 11 and a half. Now, those two games are a little bit of outliers where you have, you know, some other games where he was impactful, like Buffalo, where he had an average depth of target of 4.8. But, you know, he had a yards after catch per reception of three yards after that game. So, you know, that was an eight for eight, 62 uh, yard game for him. So he's doing it in multiple ways. And I think that's the that's that was the impressive part about Wandale's years that, yeah, you know, there may there may be some games where the game plan is let's get him some manufactured targets. But then there's also some games where, hey, we could target him deep down deeper down the field and he can be serviceable and he can, uh, you know, he can be there, too. So that was the most impressive part about his years, that he wasn't just this check down guy, manufactured guy. And also I, I he also had nine rushing attempts for 87 yards a touchdown and four first downs on those nine attempts, um, 8.3 yards before contact. So I, I'm, I'm going to be a big, like, Hey, Wanda Robinson, second year off the ACL, um, faster, quicker. I want like 15 plus rushing attempts. If Wandale is going to be good, I want like 15 plus rushing attempts for Wandale next year. That's an awesome way to get some big plays. I said, it's going to be interesting. Cause you talk about the average depth of target, right? And, 
you know, he was 94th out of 95 guys in average depth of target. Now he was fourth in the NFL in catch rate, which is really good, which is, and I think it's really good considering the fact that he has short arms like that. But let me ask you, but let me bring something up. The Miami game, the offense was totally broken, right? I mean, the offensive line's broken. Everything's broken. The Saints game where you have Tommy DeVito. That was an average depth of target for Wandale of 1.3. Miami was 2.3. The Patriots, another Tommy DeVito game. The offense is broken, right? You win 10-7. That's 2.6 yards. The Seattle game, Daniel Jones is taking sack after sack after sack. That was a 2.7-yard average depth of target game. The Jets game, the offense is totally broken. That's an average depth of target game of three yards. Now, the only game. Were, hey, they were explosive in the in the first Washington 14-7 win. They had an explosive first half, average depth to target of three yards, but only one catch on two targets for 22 yards. So I there are going to be games next year where Wandale will have an average depth to target of three against the Rams. Six catches, nine targets, 55 yards. He had an average depth to target of 3.2. I do think there are going to be games where the game plan will be, Wanda Robinson, if you're going to be involved, you you will be a check down guy. But a lot of the games this year, and I'm happy to see the stats kind of match the eye test, a lot of the games this year, I think Wandale was the victim of the low average depth to target because the offense was broken. Does that make sense? Do you agree? So I was going to ask, like, how much... Would different quarterback play who, you know, making more play like outside the pocket help? But like, I mean, he was very low in that range last year too, right? He was one of the bottom 10 guys last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's five foot eight and he's not like Trey Palmer speed or anything like that, right? right. Where he's fast, but he's not like, you know, for five foot eight guys who have made them in the league, he's not one of the fastest guys. He's more shifty than just than speed. Now he's got more athleticism than other guys, you know, that, that play that slot only short guy role. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if they could find, cause they have tried, right. They've tried to almost like leak him out and to find some holes in the zone, but he's always going to be, I mean, he's one percentile size. I mean, he's, right. he's as small as they possibly get. Um, I guess my know, ask and, is, and, and it's one, one, I mean, it's hard to, t- Put challenge, take him down the field too much. He's got like it's hard for him to make those catches, right. right? And he's made a couple, but you know, even on like some of the quick game stuff, you throw a speed out on third and three, like versus good coverage, it's hard to th- plan on throwing that ball to Wandale because if it's a little bit outside, it can be overthrown. But if it's a yeah. little bit inside, then it gets intercepted, right? So he's got to be, you know, like Cole Beasley, which I want to talk about Beasley in a second. Really get like open open on those types of plays to make it easier for his quarterback i guess my ask is something a little bit in between because you have the fourth highest average depth of target game for wandale was the raiders game where he had four catches on five targets 35 yards and a touchdown that was a 5.6 average depth of target game and then you have to go all the way up to philly the first philly game on christmas 9.6 9.6 average depth to target, three catches, seven targets, 16 yards. So there's very few in between. It's either 5.6, which is right near his average of 5.3, or it's way less. I guess I'm asking for something in between, something of six, seven. Um, and also another thing that did impress me about Wandale's year, I, I don't. I guess we're obsessing over average depth to target a little bit. Um, something that really did impress me about Wandale's year for his size is that he had 
11 of his missed tackles forced, according to PFF, all came within the short or behind the line of scrimmage range. Um, one of them forced behind the line of scrimmage on 11, 11 targets and 11 catches, and then 10 missed tackles forced on 43 of his receptions on the year. So uh, we did not see a Wanda Robinson last year that could actually make guys miss and, for- and force those missed tackles. I believe he only had one broken tackle in 2022. And again, I'm really excited to see now that he has a full season to uh, rehab the knee, plus he can get better with strength and quickness and, and not just rehabbing his knee. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do even as a short target. What do you think the Wandale ceiling is? Because I go back, I look at Cole Beasley and what he's done in the NFL, and it maxes out at like, you know, sixty-five to seventy-five catches and nine hundred at like fifty yards. And that's I think like, that's fine. You know, I think that's I I do I think that's where we're at with Wandale, right? Like he may get a year of a thousand yards, but I don't think he'll ever you know put together two in a row like that. It's just. I think he should watch Cole Beasley film and how Cole Beasley got open. And maybe Beasley like helped these cats out more than we realized when he was here. Um, but if I was Wanda Robinson, I, I would be studying and watching Cole Beasley, not just because he thrived in the Brian Dable system, but just how he's able to be to separate and win at that size. Yeah. And it's about being reliable for your quarterback and a trust target because, you know, it's still, you know, Wandale still got uh, growth to go when he's playing man coverage because he can't just get slightly open because of his size. He's got to get he's got to get really open for the quarterback to yeah. be trusted. And according to the numbers, he did. Uh, I mean, obviously, you watch the film, uh, but according to the numbers, and this is something that we cited, uh, you know, in the middle of the year against single man coverage, Wandale Robinson was the most open receiver in the NFL. Um, and that's not exaggeration. That was, you know, or, you know, there's next gen stats and they, they, they wear these player tracking chips for, for a reason. Um, you know, but talking about what his ceiling is, he played 15 games last year versus six, but yards per game was 2.8 yards less than what it was in 2022. And receptions per game was the same. 2022, it was 3.8 and 2023, it was four. But I think the way in which Wondell Robinson went about his season how he made those catches, where he made those catches on the field at certain times, and in big moments too. That Packers game was so awesome. Um, I think that's what gets you more excited. Even though a lot of the stuff was the same, if you you know you 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 pick it apart a little bit, and Wando Robinson season, obviously feeling much better about him going into 2024 than we did going into 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, he was my second vote for most improved. For, for for Wandale to reach his ceiling, he needs to be someone who we like think of on third down. Like that that's that. that's where we need to get with Wandale. Where right now Wandale's more like, hey, let's get the ball in his hands, um, type of guy. Where we're we're not thinking about Wandale when the Giants are on at third and five. Right? When when you're when you have Cole Beasley on your team in the past, when it's third and five, you're thinking about him. That's where I feel like Wandale needs to get to really get to his ceiling. All right, why don't you talk to us about uh, something else before we get into the next guy. Good point about Wando Robinson on certain downs. 28 catches on first down, 17 catches on second down, 13 catches on third down. Let's get some more catches on third down. Let's be a chain mover. Let's talk about the DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, boy, here we go. NFL playoffs and the DraftKings Sportsbook. They are an official betting partner of the NFL playoffs. They're bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers, you can bet just $5 on any game. 
and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. You have to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code WORLD. That's right, WORLD. Talking Giants versus WORLD. New customers can bet just $5, uh, 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with code WORLD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www1800 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk about Jalen Hyatt, the rookie. 2023 third-round pick that Joe Shane traded up for and was willing to take in the second round if JMS had gotten drafted already. Had 23 catches, 373 yards, and zero touchdowns as a rookie. So just 27 yards short of that 400 uh, over-under number we put it at before the year. Led the team in yards per catch of 16.1. He was simply a deep pass or bust as a rookie, right? Which we kind of thought he was. And when we did our draft preview of Jalen Hyatt, Justin, I remember he was being talked about in the context as a first-rounder. And we're like, this is not a first-round wide receiver. And then we got in the third round, and we're like, this is sick. This is where you should be thrilled to get a Jalen Hyatt. And that's where I'm at right now, where I'm happy with Jalen Hyatt, but there has obviously has to be a lot added to his game. Highest average depth of target in the NFL, guys with 40 targets, at 20.7 yards. And then had the second highest, you know, uh, target share of 20-plus yards. You know, 45% of his targets were 20-plus yards down the field. He has a ton to get better at to be a really good wide receiver in the NFL, but he will always have value and also changes the way a defense plays it plays you. Yeah, before I guess we talk about what Hyatt has to get better at, because there, there is stuff that he has to get better at, I do want to highlight, obviously, ignore the production, right? Ignore the numbers, ignore the stats, ignore how they were like, I think they're 10 games where he had two catches or less. A lot of games where he didn't have any catches. Look at the plays that he did make and tell me he is not an elite player. And I mean elite player. And this, I hopefully this is not just me being a Giants fan homer. He is an elite player at getting open deep, tracking the ball deep, even in some contested catch situations. Like I think he's the best contested catch wide receiver on the team already, even better than Darius Slayton. And that's not Slayton's game at all. Definitely better than Hodgins, which it should be Hodgins's game, but it's not. Um, the part of his game, which he is good at, which is his deep receiving skills. He is already an elite player at, do you agree or disagree? I disagree because to get to elite at that, you have to get good at the other areas of the game for teams to play you in that way. Okay. I but mean, I understand, even Bobby, I understand even, what you're saying. Even when they're not pressing him, this is the crazy thing. Teams don't press Jalen Hyatt. And the one time I think they really did was that Washington game. And he just beat a guy, uh, beat those Washington corners on the sideline. And that, that resulted in some big plays. But even when they're not pressing him, and it's like, all right, I know, I understand, I need to be in a track meet here. He would still beat guys down the field, which is crazy. I agree, but I mean, he was second on his own team in catches of twenty plus yards on a team that had very few in the grand scheme of things in the NFL. Right. right. 
So like, like he's got to get better in the other areas of the game to be able to get more opportunities to do that. Um, you know, I'm not saying he needs to become an elite wide receiver to get that, but, but I, but I, I can understand where I think the listeners do understand. Like he is, he gets open deep and it's, and he's a, like, you know, one of our worries with him wasn't necessarily something that showed up on film, Justin, but it's something that did show up on film. It's like, he just fucking runs past people and he's wide open. And we're like, is that going to happen in the NFL? Right, yeah. like we can highlight yeah. all the things that we'll talk about of his route running and releases and stuff like that, like stuff that we knew needed to get better in the NFL. But we are we like, is this guy just simply going to be able to just run past guys? And he surely is, despite the fact that he had a bad forty time compared. To, I think he ran a four four zero at the combine, but like he's clearly faster than Darius Slayton, and it showed up right when we saw him at training camp. Uh, but he does have to get a lot better to be a guy who even plays consistently and is a starter in the NFL. Like, he's a starter on the Giants right now. But if the Giants drafted somebody, if they drafted Malik Neighbors six overall, he's on the bench to start the season. Yeah. And you yeah, can hope yeah. he can grow into that player throughout the year, and then you can move off of Slayton the year after if he does grow into that player. But... Depth, depth chart number one after the draft is Jalen Hyatt on the bench. Yeah, I'm not fully concerned about that though because you know how you you know you rotate wide receivers in and out. I mean Darius Slayton really saw. I agree, an but I have I have higher hopes for Hyatt than that. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, you Slayton really saw an, uh, an an uptick in his slot usage this year too, where I think it was like thirty percent. Um, you know, so that's that. What a, what a combination that is a a wide receiver one on the Giants, Darius Slayton in the slot and. Um, Jalen Hyde on the outside. You talk about speed. That's really fun. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Yes. That's more of a product of Brian Dable's offense and moving guys like pre-snap. Like, he's not, like, playing slot. He's lining up in the slot for a play. You know, like, he was – but he was deeper bust. Now, they tried to get him involved in some other stuff as a yak threat with a shallow cross. Like, he had the first down versus the Patriots. But he even messed up some stuff like that in the Rams game where he, you know, he, he played it too shallow. Um, right. You know, his releases are tough. Like, he just can't deal with press at all and gets bullied with that, right? Where he just gets way off of his track. And there's also a lot of times where he takes the wrong side of the release. He'll release inside when he's supposed to release outside. And that's because of the way corners play him and can get physical with him. And you may say, hey, like, there's there was a play even with DeVito. And I saw people do, getting DeVito criticism for this. Where it's like, well, he should have thrown the ball to Jalen Hyatt here. It's like, yeah, well, Jalen Hyatt took an inside release and just eliminated five yards between him and the safety that's playing in the middle of the field. And while this is a throw that can be made and and like a better quarterback might make, you spooked your quarterback because you took an inside release on this where he's just moving off of this. Um, you know, the route running, they didn't ask him to do very much as a route runner this no. year. Um, I do think he's going to get better at that. But to me, it starts at the beginning of the snap. It begins at the release being able to get more, you know, deal with some physicality, um, and I think that's what's going to grow because I think he can. I think he can grow as a route runner. I don't think there's huge steps that need to be made for him to become a, a solid route runner in the NFL. But if you can't get the first second of a of a play right consistently, it's hard to trust you. It's just hard to make you part of progressions, and you're going to be an alert most of the time. Where it's like, hey, if we get a look, we want we'll predetermine we're probably going to you deep. I, I think this is a fair question to you since you watch you take pride in watch film. You love schematic stuff. Um, you're Brian Dable. You're Mike Kafka. What routes are you asking Jalen Hyatt to get better 
at next year that fits this Giants offense? Slants, right? Which, again, is about the release. We know he has once he gets into the break, he can get open. But can he win that leverage battle? Uh, the dig routes, I think, are huge because, you know, he's going to be respected deep um, and, and getting those. And then curl and out. Curl and out, right? Now, the hitch routes, he can do well because he gets that that type of respect, right? So he's looking, but but, you know, get better at those specifically. And then the speed outs, right? Just get better at those, which I think he can do well versus, versus off coverage. Um, he is, bef- and this is before Daniel jo- This is when we were about as high as we've ever been on Daniel Jones, which was training camp, Justin. So it's not a, a Daniel Jones, like, after the season uh, remark. He is the first player where I felt like Daniel Jones's arm talent, like, could hold him back, right? Like... Like just like okay, there's there's throws that Jalen Hyatt can catch that Daniel Jones can't make. You know, obviously there's you know plays here or there for other guys, but like on a consistent basis, he needs a quarterback who just trusts leverage, right? And I think that showed up earlier in the year with DJ. It's just like, hey man, if this is any other receiver on your team, you may not throw this, but with him, you got to throw it. You got to trust that yeah. as soon as he gets that cornerback's hips open. You've got it. Pull the trigger on it. Have anticipation with that. He's that type of player. And that goes to your point where you're saying like, hey, I think he's elite at getting open deep. Yeah. And I agree with you in what the point that you were trying to make. But he's just got to get better in the nuances of the game or he's going to live as a fringe 300 to 600 yard guy for the rest of his career, depending on his depth, uh, on his spot on the depth chart. If he's a starter, second, third guy, he'll be at the 600 mark and you know maybe 800 one year. Yeah. If he's... A rotate for the third guy. He's going to be a 300 to 400 yard guy who adds value. He's, he's always going to add value to a team. He is to me, unless he has injury issues, someone who is guaranteed to live out his four years on the Giants of his rookie contract. But there's a lot. He can be so much better than what he is right now. And this offseason is going to be critical for him. Yeah. Critical because if they do go and draft a wide receiver one, like he's going to have to basically become better to Darius Slayton, which he's totally capable of, but being capable of something doesn't uh, crown you as as it. Right. And an, an, another elite trait that I think he has right now, I, I guess I should stop saying the word elite. Another thing that he showed a great ability to do this year, and this is something that I, it, it is non-negotiable, next Giants quarterback needs to do this. Number one, yeah, we, we're going to talk about have a big arm. Number two, they need to be able to manipulate the pocket and extend plays, whether that's in the pocket or preferably getting out of the pocket and throwing on the run. And I think Jalen Hyatt's ability to toe tap on the sideline and improvise with the quarterback and and flow and run with the play and whether it's continuing to run deep and if a quarterback's got it, Hyatt's got the speed to to get there. I think we saw a lot of good concentration plays on the sideline this year, toe-tapping Jalen Hyatt efforts, where if we have a quarterback that that skill set, and you know, this is what you see. A lot of the quarterbacks that are playing this weekend, Bobby, this is what you see. Jackson, Mahomes, Allen, this is what you see them do. They improvise, they roll to their right, roll to their left, find a guy down the field. Um, I think Hyatt can be that guy for the Giants, and I think he was good at it already this year, except just didn't get a lot of opportunities. I think Tyrod did it a decent amount. Maybe maybe there was a, a DeVito throw in there where DeVito was doing it, um, but I, 
I'm excited for if the Giants get a quarterback in there that does that consistently, Hyatt's going to be the guy on the receiving end for that. And you can show you can throw like some back shoulder stuff too, which I think Tyrod hit him once on the on the Rams game, where it's like, hey, his speed is so respected that even if a guy's step for step with him or has you know a half a yard in front of him, like they're they are going to be overextending to where you can throw that type of stuff. So, uh, I, I to me, he is like a big like you know X factor for next year. Like how much does Jalen Hyatt grow this offseason? All right, Isaiah Hodgins. we got to go through these last few quick. Uh, he'll be an exclusive rights-free agent this year, so he probably will be back. 21 catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns uh, on a 51% snap share, but lost his starting job to Jalen Hyatt. Justin, he's all the same exact things that he was the year before, but expectations got put way too high for him. Um, you know, There was overreaction to who he was. He's still a good route runner. He's good at the releases. He's physical. He's good at the stem. He can separate versus man and the quick game. But he just doesn't have the speed to be a consistent separator outside of the quick game. And that makes you a predictable player. And although being six foot four, he hasn't proved to be a deep contested catch at all. They've, we saw him try it a couple times in camp. He couldn't do it. He had zero deep targets this year, Justin. And the ones he had the year before were off of double moves. So he's still a red zone threat, right? Had three touchdowns. Could have had a couple more if guys put the ball on him. Like Tyrod Taylor missed him um, a couple times. Uh, so he still adds value to a team. But he's just not a... He's not a starting level player on a good receiving group. He was a godsend for 2022, but we talked about this throughout camp and before camp, Justin, that Isaiah Hodgins may be the odd man out once Jalen Hyatt gets his uh, gets rolling. Yeah. Now, I will say, very limited sample size, 21 catches, 33 targets, 230 yards, I'm sure, like you already just said. Uh, receiving success rate. The success, and this is pro football reference, the successful reception gains at least 40% of the yards required on first down, 60% of the yards required on second down, 100% required on third or fourth down. The guy that led the Giants in success rate this year is Isaiah Hodgins. No, that doesn't mean Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> I don't think that means that he needs to be getting more targets, more plays, and more receptions. But what I think that shows is for the role that he plays, which is a red zone target, which, hey, if you catch a touchdown, that's a that's a very successful play, right? 100% success rate if you catch a touchdown. Um, for a guy on first down, if you're a good route runner, um, you know, you get six yards, seven yards on a first down, like Hodgins did in 2022, that's a successful play. And I think for that kind of role, I think that that is where Isaiah Hodgins lives, is just being effective and getting the yard, getting whatever yards are kind of required to make the play a successful play, but adding more than that, that's where it gets a little blurry for Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah, he's just a a six foot four quick game receiver, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, which is like it, it doesn't make sense, but that's what he is, right? Like I said, he's still a good, he's probably the best route runner on the team. Yeah, right. Like his releases are good. He's the best at the stem. He just doesn't have the speed or, you know, the the lateral, you know, like the the agility to just be consistently good anywhere past eight yards on the field, right? And that's why he's always going to have a low average depth of target. But in the red zone, that, that adds value. Now, he may even be more of an odd man out this next year, but I think he should, should at least be on the roster depending on the – unless they nuke, you know, they really drop some bombs on this wide receiver room. But, hey, I mean, he was leading the team in receiving touchdowns for a lot of the season and had three, 
which is not a lot when you talk about NFL, but for the Giants, that was their tied for the, that was the third most after Saquon and Slayton had four. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Paris Campbell, six foot one, 205 pounds, former second rounder out of Ohio State. Uh, his contract ended up at one year, $4.2 million. Uh, could have been up to $6.7 million. Uh, ended up turning into a healthy scratch. 20 catches for 104 yards. Only two first downs. It was a joke throughout the beginning of the season. Like, couldn't catch a first. Didn't have any first downs. Um, played in only four games over 30% of the snap share. And those were the first four games of the season. I still think Paris Campbell has value in the NFL. But it was just a bad fit, right? Once Wandale came back quickly, I think injuries have caught up to him where he's uh, his elusiveness because like he was a yak king before then has has lost him a little bit. But if he was playing on the Chiefs, I feel like he might be their second best wide receiver. Now that's a bad receiving group, but like he could still benefit from a team that faces a lot of two hell, two hell, two shell zone coverages. You know, and the team that uses him outside and inside, right? Like he can really show off his speed and stuff on the outside and work leverage. But in the slot, when teams are playing tight coverage, he's just not a good separator versus that, right? And we, we if there was someone whose stock dropped when we were at Lions Camp, Justin, it was Paris Campbell. Oh, yeah. Be- because he was like, okay, this guy's not getting open at, at all on any type of quick routes. Yeah. Probably the, the player whose stock rose from the spring and i'm like i bought in i was like all right cool if we're, if we're throwing him the ball and if this is going to be the guy then then great like let's rock and roll paris campbell in the slot and man how quickly like i how quickly he just became irrelevant like i barely have anything to say on paris campbell like the thing that i that will always stick out to me about paris campbell is just the first down watch just waiting for the first month of the season when is he going to get that first first down that was the most significant part of his year yeah. Um, we're interested to see what happens for him next. Obviously, it's not going to be on the New York Giants. They started healthy scratching him to save $100,000 per game. So what's his final um, cap hit? Is it $5 million? $4.2 million. Okay. Um, could have been up to up to 6.7. Uh, so we'll see. He, I think he's got to be on a team that uses him inside and out. Right? If you just put him as a slot-only guy... He's not going to have success unless, again, you're Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes where you're facing a lot of zone coverages. But even then, I feel like like the Bills are better off with Khalil Shakir than they are a Paris Campbell. And I'm saying like the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs have a horrible wide receiver room. So that's not really much of a compliment, I guess. All right, last guy, Sterling Shepard. Fifth on the NFL, on the Giants and rece- receptions list all time. Uh, did catch a touchdown this year. Who... Who are we going to lead PPPs off? Our player profile and projections. We lead off with Sterling Shepard every single year. He's he's gone. And we always said it was because he's the longest tenured player. But Saquon is now the longest tenured player. And he's the second to last one. And let, until the Giants can get like a star wide receiver or something. Saquon may not even be back. Daniel Jones is not going to be it because the quarterback is the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an idea. I think it could be Darius Slayton. I think we could pass it along to Slayton because he's or, him and that Dex and Slayton are that 2019 class. Or we do it with Dexter Lawrence. I have an idea for PPPs next year, and I, and I need you to we're, – we're going to discuss this on air right now. And it was some – I was talking – I think it was with Jeff. I think we should lead off – I think we should lead off with the most interesting player 
regardless of whether it's offense or defense. So like, for example, the Dexter Lawrence episode, we should do Dexter Lawrence first. I know this breaks tradition of doing offense and then defense, but who wants to listen to a Matt Breida, Dexter Lawrence PPP, and then we put Dexter Lawrence second. That's my idea. So then Dexter Lawrence is the first player that we lit off with next year. What do you think about that? Are you not for it? I don't like it off rip. It's something we can talk about. Here's the thing is I put that schedule together to with that kind of in mind. Like the reason we put Dexter Lawrence with Matt Breida is like it's the last week of there. Like we put Dexter Lawrence to kick off the last week. No, my my um, no my keep... no my point is is that we put the defensive if there is a defensive player that is more significant than the offensive player, we just talk about them first in the episode. That's that's the idea. Hmm. So then, like for example, Dexter Lawrence and backup running back Matt Breida, we start off by talking about Dexter Lawrence and not start off by talking about Matt Breida. I understand what you're saying. It gotcha. just does break a five-year tradition. break a tradition, but I think it's smart because I think that's what the people would want to hear. We'll see. Also, I mean, I don't get caught up on PPP views. Those are very much for... Like, they're never going to be big view clickers besides Daniel Jones and... Oh, I do. Even just Daniel Jones and, the, and like, young... It's, and Daniel Jones and young, promising wide receivers is basically what it is. I want 20,000 people. Listening to every PPP episode. But that's just not going to happen, though. Oh, yeah. And starting, like, it may happen, but it's not going to happen because we talk about Dexter Lawrence before Matt Breed on one episode. Oh, you never know. But anyways, who are we going to lead off with? I think Darius Slayton makes sense. He'll be, you know, he'll be a, a, one of the, f- technically the second longest tenured player because he's the same class as DJ, but, you know, the fourth longest tenured player because... He was the third out of those guys drafted. That makes sense. Yeah, so I think Slayton might kick off player profiles. So, it's, again, it's a guy who we're, we like a lot, but obviously not crowning as, like, the best. All right, that's an episode. We will see you guys when we see you. Uh, plan is Tuesday, but, hey, shit changes, especially when the Giants are looking for a defensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, our, our entire coaching staff is coaching all-star games. Mike Kafka is the head coach for the Shrine Bowl. Davis Webb is actually his offensive coordinator in that. Mike Adams, our assistant special teams coordinator, is a special teams coordinator for the Senior Bowl. And Shea Tierney is an offensive coordinator for the uh, Senior Bowl. So we will see Shea Tierney and Mike Adams in a couple weeks. We will see you guys when we see you. Until then, let's go Big Blue.